Welcome to Taking the Middle Seat, a podcast where we explore connections where you might not think it exists. I'm your host, Andrea, and I've always believed there is connection to be made when you sit next to someone and really take in their story. So every couple weeks, I'm taking the middle seat. I'm listening in on someone's story because I know that the middle seat holds healing and acceptance and laughter and community if we just stay open and remember that we belong to each other. I hope you'll listen in to each and every episode and that you'll find yourself moving in to hear the magic in the middle seat. This is episode five of Taking the Middle Seat. That seems like a milestone already. And today I'm interviewing Christine Mwangi. Christine is my very first guest that I didn't actually know before I interviewed her, but I am so glad I met her. She was a friend of a friend, and I'm just thrilled that I connected with her. She has founded an organization called Be A Rose. Um, This organization addresses period poverty in a bunch of different ways. If you don't know what period poverty is, you are about to find out. It is an issue that we should all know about and be concerned about. I cannot tell you how excited I was after this interview because this is exactly the type of stories I want to tell on this podcast. Christine's work is a perfect example of how we are all beautifully connected by things as simple as our periods. We might be from different countries or communities or backgrounds, but women are all dealing with the reality of periods. Even if we haven't gotten a period or we're in the middle of it or we're making babies or we're in menopause, we're all dealing with it in one way or another. So we should all be concerned about this. Christine had me laughing so hard when she told me the story about her grandma, so stay tuned for that. And I really want to link arms with the work Christine is doing. So at the very end, I'll let you know what I'm going to do um, to help out her work at Be A Rose. All right, now we covered those details. Let's get to the interview with Christine Mwangi. Welcome, Christine Mwangi, to Taking the Middle Seat. I am so excited to have you as soon as As I heard about what you're doing, I just was like, she has to come on and talk to me, and you did, and I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to hear about the genesis of Be A Rose and all the things. So introduce yourself a little bit to the listeners, who you are, what you do now, all the details you want to share. Absolutely. My name is Christine Mwangi, and as my name suggests, I am not from around these parts. (laughs) And so... (laughs) It has nah. to be like Vander Vander Van to yes. be from here. Yes. Uh-huh. Definitely not a van, anything. Um, so I am originally from Kenya, and uh, my family and I, which consists of my parents and my sister and I, migrated to the U.S. in 97. Okay. Um, on the East Coast, however, in Baltimore, Maryland. Okay. And uh, at the time, I was 11 years old. My sister was 10. And so we were received by my mom's side of the family, and they were so gracious. They helped to resettle us, get us into schools and everything like that. And so once we went through school, my sister and I, um, we became young adults and, you know, tried to figure out our careers. Mm -hmm. My sister kind of already knew hers from, like, I think from birth. She just didn't tell us. Really? But she's always wanted to go into law and never deviated and, you know, stayed the course. Yes. I was the child who tried to figure things out and, you know, medicine was supposed to be my lane. um, And I realized very quickly that I didn't like blood. That's tricky then. Yeah, yes. that was going to be a problem. <laughs> yep. So 
I decided to pursue pharmacy instead because I'd done extensive undergrad work in the sciences mm -hmm. and I was like I don't want all this education to go to waste mm -hmm. and so I decided to pursue pharmacy and I went abroad to do my education so okay. I left the country okay. and I moved to England um, in 2009 okay. the fall of 2009 and uh, started a journey there that was you know scary and yeah. you know after the first year it's not exciting anymore things are starting to become routine you're getting homesick mm -hmm. you know and so I studied for four years in Manchester okay and then I went to London for my residency year so mm -hmm. that's a year they call the pre-registration year okay and so it's just a year where you have to work under a licensed pharmacist before you yourself can take your board exams and then be on your own gotcha as a professional okay and so that was 2014 mm -hmm. and that was the year that the Ebola outbreak happened in oh, West Africa yes and so I was having a lot of anxiety as to where I'm gonna start my career you know the British and the American pharmaceutical licenses are different mm -hmm. so I was trying to decide would I stay in the United Kingdom would I come home and if so what was that gonna look like because I couldn't practice with the UK license in the US okay and so um, I had a cousin who was working in Sierra Leone at the time okay Okay. And uh, she was working as a missionary, and Sierra Leone happened to be one of the hardest hit countries by the epidemic of Ebola. Mm -hmm. And so I was telling her, you know, I'm not sure what I want to do. I'm kind of stuck. I'm not very fulfilled in pharmacy. Wasn't really my passion. It was just like, okay, a backup. Yeah, a <laughs> uh, career to choice mm -hmm. to medicine, right? Yes. Which I couldn't do because I don't like blind. Um, yes. So. <laughs> So she said, you know, we are having this issue here where girls are having a very hard time accessing feminine hygiene products and we have been quarantined and all the stores are closed, so we really don't have anywhere locally to buy them. And she was in a remote area. Okay. And so she said, you know, my colleagues and I are trying to go to the city to buy them, but when we bring them back, it's as though the anxiety of not having them causes the girls to fight over them even more. Okay. So it was causing even more problems than before they had them. Yes. So I was very touched, but I didn't understand why she was necessarily telling me um, specifically so I was like okay so what what do you want me to do about it <laughs> you yeah. know she was like well in your field you know you have access to organizations and companies that make these products perhaps you can kind of advocate for people like this or you know find a way where when people are in crisis or there's been a natural disaster or an epidemic that the people who are bringing in resources and medical supplies can consider bringing in feminine hygiene products okay and yes. so I was like so you want me to be a pad lady? I've been in right. school how long? Like, this is not my cause either. Right. Like, <laughs> I can mail you some pads, you but know? that doesn't seem that big a deal. Right. Yes. And so I kind of <laughs> just, she planted a seed and I didn't really do anything about it initially. Yeah. I just concentrated on finishing my residency year and just kind of passing my boards. Mm -hmm. But then when I came home and I was waiting the usual one month for the results to come out, I was like, really, what was she talking about? Mm -hmm. And I started to look it up. And I found that period poverty is a thing, yeah. you know, um, and that's a time in a woman's life where she doesn't have access to traditional products to manage her period yeah. and has to result to unconventional products. So your toilet papers, your paper towel, you know, pieces of cloth, mm -hmm. socks. Um, in one of the Asian countries, I don't remember which one, a girl was uh, noted to have used shoelaces. Oh. Um, so, oh. uh, yeah, and so I realized this is a great issue globally. So not just in rural communities like where my cousin was, but even mm -hmm. in inner city communities of mm -hmm. Western countries. 
And so I started to look into ways I could get involved, but of course my education and work experience was not in line with the field of public health or that arena where most people address those issues. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to leave the country again either and go and join the Peace Corps or anything. No offense to anybody in the Peace Corps out there listening. It's a great organization. Just don't want to do it right then. (laughs) But I had just come from living abroad for five years right? and using my passport as my main form of identification. And I just wanted to be home for a little bit and not really just go through the hassle of being an immigrant somewhere else, like a double immigrant. I was already an immigrant first in America, then I was an immigrant in the UK. And I was like, enough immigration. Yes. (laughs) I need a rest. I need a rest. Yes. So I was talking to a friend who told me about AmeriCorps, however. Okay. So AmeriCorps, as we know, or some people may not know, is the domestic arm of the Peace Corps. Yes. And so my friend told me, listen, you're trying, what you're essentially trying to do is switch careers. Yeah. And so what you want to do is go and find an opportunity where you can be allowed to kind of work in the field you're hoping to go into Mm -hmm. and see if really that's what you want to do. Oh, yeah. That's brilliant. And I thought, okay, now I just have to tell my parents who have supported and put me through this extensive professional degree that I do not want to practice in it. Right. (laughs) Yay. Yeah. Yes, and so I remember having that conversation with my dad and just telling him, you know, because he was wondering, you know, is this girl applying for jobs? Like, how long is she here? Uh Is she going to do something? Uh So I had to tell him, like, yes, I am applying for jobs, but not in pharmacy. I'm hoping to, like, you know, see if I can do something about this period poverty thing. He's like, what is period poverty? Right. You know, (laughs) I had to explain to him. And since he's a father of daughters, he was just very empathetic. He said, you know, I never really thought that there is a time, you know, that women are going through this. Now, granted, he grew up in a very impoverished family and in a village. And as a young boy, he does remember maybe probably laughing at girls in school who maybe had leaks or whatever. But he never thought it's because they actually have nothing to use. I mean, boys, when they're young, they don't really process that far. I think they just, (laughs) you know, it's just funny because Susie's leaking through her dress or her skirt or whatever. But they never go as far as... um, Um, interpreting that as maybe Susie had nothing to use maybe she had to use toilet paper today and it leaked yeah I don't they they wouldn't right right? so um, he just felt very sad and he said you know I I am a father of girls but I always knew you guys weren't lacking in that department but I never thought of another child right who could be or another young woman who could be suffering in that way yeah and so he really truly supported me yeah and oh, that's um, amazing yeah that's at the time now they were living in Florida okay so when I came back to the US my parents had moved from Baltimore Maryland to Florida mm-hmm. um, in the st. Petersburg area okay and so that's where I started applying for jobs from okay and I found a really unique opportunity here in Michigan in Grand Rapids with Bethany Christian services oh, yeah and mm-hmm. they had an AmeriCorps position um, doing fundraising and grant writing okay. for their refugee adult and family program. Okay. And so I thought to myself, well, in such a program, number one, I do want to understand the fundamentals of fundraising and grant writing. Yep. But it's huge. Uh, yes, it's mm-hmm. huge. And if I'm going to go into the nonprofit sector, then mm-hmm. this is the core skill I need to have. But in addition, I also wanted an opportunity to work with women from around the world. The same women I would have probably encountered in a Peace Corps position or just going abroad and serving. Absolutely. Um, I thought this would be a great way to meet these women women in within the US mm-hmm. and try to understand their journeys and their experiences as it pertains to menstruation management. Mm-hmm. So that's what brought me to Michigan in 2014. Oh my goodness. Sorry, 2015, February of 2015. Okay. 
And uh, I started my AmeriCorps year. Okay. And uh, I did some fundraising and grant writing work for Bethany until mm-hmm. um, about September, October time. And then I had a few months left yet of my year of service, and I approached the director of the program, who's Donna Abbott, mm-hmm. and she allowed me to conduct a focus group for women um, to try and understand this issue better. Mm-hmm. And she said it would be very beneficial to their case managers because the employers and the landlords which they connect these families with were finding it an issue on how the, the women are managing their periods and the products they're using mm-hmm. and how they're disposing of them. Yes. And so I she, heard you say this in another interview and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, of course that's an issue. Yes. Yes. Oh, so yes. important. So cultural practices are sure. different. Yes. Um, the environments that people live are different. And so those like conditions put together, they really do dictate how a woman manages her period, mm-hmm. what products she chooses to use, and how she throws them away. Yeah. And so this was an important part of the work because for the first time we were able to design a curriculum. So I wrote a curriculum that addresses all the topics that we still currently teach. Okay. And so just starting from the basics, because women have such varied levels of learning and understanding, we didn't want to leave anybody out. Sure. So we start from the basics, like anatomy and physiology Mm -hmm. of the reproductive system. We talk about puberty and how to address the first period period for a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, girls now are having their periods earlier and earlier and sometimes mm-hmm. even before they have the talk in school. Yeah. So if not your daughter, maybe your daughter's friend is going to have a period early. So it's just as important for your daughter to know what to do because she could help that other girl. For sure. And so how to prepare her with like a small bag mm-hmm. with supplies. Um, that she can take with her to school. Mm -hmm. I've even heard of moms doing that in their son's backpacks because they have girls who are friends in school. So instead of them being part of the trauma by laughing and whatever, they can pull Susie Mm -hmm. to the side like, hey, Susie, I see that you're leaking. I have a pad in my bag. Oh, my God. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yes. 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 Oh, it gives me chills. Yes. Yes. So some moms are doing it for boys and girls because they realize that the first period for a girl can be very traumatizing. Yes. And that experience can shape how she views and manages menstruation for the rest of her life mm-hmm. and perhaps even the kind of attitude and energy she'll pass on to her daughter absolutely so it's kind of like a generational thing that we have to take accountability for yeah and just be a little more involved because it does have such long-term repercussions sometimes yeah, for sure yeah so we talk about puberty then we talk about the actual cycle of menstruation mm-hmm. and the science behind it that it's actually controlled by hormones which gland in the brain releases those hormones Mm -hmm. and what happens when those hormones or that hormonal cycle is not working properly Mm -hmm. that is what explains all the reproductive illnesses that we see you know such as endometriosis and polycystic ovarian syndrome Mm -hmm. and women are not necessarily discussing them over brunch that's like my favorite thing to say because we're not going to brunch with our girlfriends like girl let's talk about my endometriosis in fact even myself in this work if my friend said that I'd be like say what now right like, I didn't know. No, you know? <laughs> I think we probably should. We should. Yes. Yes. But it's true. We 
only with like my absolute like closest with a capital C friends <laughs> would I discuss anything like that. But yeah, I mean, we're all going through something yes. with regard to our menstruation and cycle and everything. Yes, yes, I still yes. Agree. whether it's, you know, been diagnosed with a name or not, whether you right? just have very severe cramps mm-hmm. where for the first day or two of your period, you literally can't do anything. Mm-hmm. It's nice to let your village know because maybe yes. those are the days you need somebody to take your kids. Maybe that's the day you need help to walk your dog. Yeah. You know, those little things, mm-hmm. but we as women have made do for so long yeah. that we don't think our period is a reason to call for help. Oh. It's like, I'm going to oh. save my yes. help cards for when I really need them right hello and I think it's <laughs> like for me it's like people um, you know being a mom like going through pregnancy yes you think well everyone else is doing this so I should be able to just do it to without manage. yeah without any complaints or problems sure like I think everybody else is doing fine because we're not talking about right. it so it shouldn't be a problem and if it is that's my fault not just you know something else that I don't have any control yes. over yes um yes oh yeah yes. I love this. yeah so women don't really ask for help for much in mm-hmm. their lives and it's not just this as women we just manage yes you know we manage and like you said we assume because none of our friends are talking about it they must be doing it right or they must be yep. coping mm-hmm. and so just not realizing that sometimes people don't even have support they don't feel they have a voice with certain issues mm-hmm. they don't even you know they don't feel they have a network yes that they feel safe like you were saying to talk about it yep. um, and then we remind women that um, it's important to track your period so that you notice when there are changes Mm -hmm. and nowadays we have the help of apps there are so many apps on our cell phones that you can use Um, you can use them to manage your period manage fertility and ovulation a lot of things Mm -hmm. and so you know you don't necessarily have to keep a diary old school anymore Mm -hmm. but you know especially if your periods are not regular and you're only seeing your ob gyne once a year then it's nice to say well in the last six months I've had these irregularities and in the other two or three months this is what has happened yep you know and that way you feel a little more empowered and in control of what is happening yeah because sometimes women feel very helpless and then they get depressed yeah and then um after that we talk about female genital mutilation okay and so i found that the importance of discussing this is just to make women a little bit conscious about what other women around the globe are going through and how our sexuality and our reproductive system and organs are used to control us and to kind of keep us oppressed and Mm -hmm. sometimes even just to hurt us yeah you know and so um we also know that recently you know in detroit there was that doctor who was arrested for helping women still perform this ritual oh my gosh even in our back door and how many more are there (sighs) yeah for sure you know and so when we do our workshops now and we talk to refugee women there's one we do um for refugee women um it was so important to let them know that that's not a practice they can continue anymore Mm -hmm. or should continue anymore because it is against the law in this country. Mm -hmm. And so we can't assume that they know all the laws when they first get here, um, especially with language and cultural barriers. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was important to let them know that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just talk about menopause. Um, Women are undergoing premenopausal symptoms earlier and earlier as well. Mm -hmm. And so just letting them know what those are. Mm and um, what they can do about them 
that there's medication for them and that there's other natural remedies as mm-hmm. well. And even for PMS and all the cramping, mm-hmm. we also do talk about the over-the-counter medicines that women can get, of course, following advice with their doctor in case they're on other medications mm-hmm. and also all the natural remedies that they can use. Mm-hmm. So it's a very comprehensive curriculum. Yeah. And then on top of that, all the partners we have in the city, we also provide them with feminine hygiene products. Okay. So we kind of just do those two things the workshops and the feminine hygiene product distributions. And you orient them too, right, to the products that are available here. Yes. And then reusable products, which I'm fascinated to ask you about. Yes. Um, Because, of course, that would be, once they're kind of oriented, it seems like that would be a whole lot easier for them to manage is a reusable, sustainable method. So talk about those because I bet there's listeners that are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yes. Um, the cup and the cloth pads and all that kind of stuff. Yes, absolutely. So like you very rightfully mentioned, when women come to a different country, the standards, the expectations of managing your period are different. Mm -hmm. Just like, you know, we hear stories of how sometimes, and I apologize if this is generalized or stereotyped, (laughs) but some women in some cultures don't shave. Right. And all of a sudden you're in America where it's like, oh my God, hair is gross. And so, you know, women and girls, they're trying to uh, resettle in the American culture. And Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that if it's not prevalent in their culture, hits them in the face. Yeah. That they go to the hygiene aisle and there's actually razors for women. They're like, what? What are we shaving? Yeah, right. You know? <laughs> right? What's happening here? Right, yes. right. Even deodorant. Yeah. Deodorant is a cultural difference. Sure. Some countries don't even have it in the store. And if they do, it's very expensive because it's not commonly used. Yeah. And so to have a young girl who is of an immigrant family start to go to school and there's gym class, she has to change in front of other girls. Yeah. Her undergarments don't resemble theirs. She doesn't have all the products and you know that are being used. That is another thing we actually also talk about in the workshops. But in addition to that, the reusable products, yes, we expose them to quite a few of them, actually. So there are the cloth pads, Mm -hmm. and they're coming to be much, they're becoming more and more popular because a lot of girls are becoming very equal conscious and wanting to use products that do not contribute to um, the waste in our community, in our environments. Mm -hmm. And so the cloth pads are becoming popular, and... um, the unfortunate thing is that they're not sold in many retail outlets. Yeah. So as of now, the best place to get them is online. Yeah. And a lot of the women we serve, they really don't are not shopping online. Yeah. So it's really nice that if they attend our workshops, they actually do get access to feminine hygiene, those products, the reusable feminine hygiene products, Yeah. Uh, at no cost to them. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yes. And then we talk to them about the menstrual cups, mm-hmm. and we have a really good partnership with Diva Cup International in Canada. Oh, nice. And they supply us with menstrual cup donations that we are able to give to women in the workshops. Brilliant. And so we educate them on how to use them mm-hmm. and how to care for them and um, show them how to safely insert them and take them out Mm -hmm. and then um, they're able to take one home as well free of charge okay yeah and so there are other products too so there are some sea sponge tampons those Mm -hmm. grow naturally and again they're bought online Mm -hmm. Um, they're also cotton tampons Mm -hmm. they're reusable and you wash them as well there's interlabial pads okay but i'll tell you what we will have a video coming out soon bia rose has a youtube video oh perfect and um not a youtube video youtube channel okay (laughs) and a recent video (laughs) 
tutorials. Yes. <laughs> and a recent video we shot was a tutorial on all these products. Oh, yes. I, yes. That's perfect. <laughs> I will link to it once yes, it's up. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. So that's a video that people can view and just actually see us demonstrating the use and care of all these products. Now, when you present the reusable methods, because mm -hmm. I've talked to people that have been from here all their lives and are well aware of the Diva Cup and reusable um, cloth pads and all of that, and look at me with like three, you know, like I have three heads. <laughs> Do the women in the workshops, are they just really receptive because they're, you know, wanting to address this issue? What has been the reaction to using reusable products for their menstruation? Um, it has been positive. Okay. There are a few women that are, have their reservations yeah. and understandably, yeah. but overall the reception has been positive. Mm -hmm. A lot of women, the first thing that comes to mind is this will help me save money. Yes. Uh, especially if there are multiple women in the home. Yeah. And so they're like, yeah, we need this. And other women are like, yeah, this is something that I've kind of been using some months when I have nothing, mm -hmm. but it's like a makeshift version of this. So yeah. this is actually made for its purpose. Mm -hmm. It's not her like ripping an old t-shirt. It's not her using a pair of socks. Yeah. It's actually made for the purpose that it's intended. And yeah. the materials that are used are very intentional in their absorbencies when they're picked by the seamstress. Mm -hmm. So it kind of gives them some dignity in yeah. managing their period. And some of them will tell you, you know, I've had to make do like one or two months a year. I just yeah. had to choose. Was it going to be my pads and tampons or was it going to be something that we need as a family? Yeah. Because these products are not covered by food stamps or Medicaid. How so, bonkers. Yeah. I mean, that's just yeah. crazy to me. Yeah. Yes. They don't. And of course, but ugh, makes me crazy. Yeah. They don't cover even like soap. Andrea, they don't cover, like, when you're managing your period, it's not just your pack of pads mm -hmm. and your tampon. You know, you might need tampons of different absorbencies. Right. You might need pads of different absorbencies. You might need soap. Mm -hmm. You might need access to actually to water. Yeah. To a washcloth, to actually be able to wash yourself. Mm -hmm. And when a woman is in transition, whether she's homeless or whatever the case, it can be very difficult. And it's just a source of anxiety every week. Yeah. You and know? their life is already stressful. Exactly. And if you can take this off the plate of things that are stressing them out, like how wonderful that they can like have something, like you said, tools yes. to manage and not have it be such a burden. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Ugh. Or have to buy a different product every month. I mean, some women take for granted that they have the consistency of a brand that they trust. Yeah. What if you didn't have that luxury? What if every month your budget is different? So every month when you go to shop or every month or two, you actually have to just consider the cheapest product that time when mm -hmm. you go to the store. So now you're using different products every time. So you have different results every time. So yep. you have different expectations every time. Your levels of anxiety go up and down as it pertains to your period every month. Mm -hmm. It can be very stressful. Yes. And the whole time you're trying to do a GED program, you're trying to get a work skill, mm -hmm. you're trying to put your kids through school by working two, three jobs. Mm -hmm. I don't know how women, I mean, like no. I said, we've just made do. And yeah. now I'm just hoping women can just have a little more dignity. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they do so. 
And you're, so not only the workshops, you also have a connection with the criminal justice system. Is that right? Well, into the jails, or is that kind of future? That was a hope I had, okay. but I found that there's a lot of limitations and barriers. Okay. And so, what we tried to do instead was connect with organizations that are supporting women who have recently been released from incarceration. Oh, brilliant. And yes. in doing so, we connected with the criminal justice chaplaincy, which is now known as 70 by 7 Recovery. Okay. And so, it's a great organization that supports women when they are re-entering our community from the criminal justice system. Okay. It's very difficult to help the women while they're in incarceration. Mm-hmm. There are so many barriers and there's a lot of red tape Yeah. Um, because a lot of the products that we advocate for are actually deemed as count contraband within the prisons. Okay. So you can't really take them in. Yeah. Um, but once the women are out and they're trying to get back on their feet, it's also it, it can also be a good time to kind of lend a hand in this regard. Yeah. So that's what we've been able to do for yeah. that population of women. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. I love that. I just want <laughs> this to explode and be like everywhere. Oh, oh so thank wonderful. you so much. Um you named your organization after a very special person, so yes. tell me about her. Yes, yeah, so after my year of service at AmeriCorps with Bethany Christian Services, um, I decided to actually launch a nonprofit organization that will continue the work. Mm-hmm. So Bethany was so good for me because it served as the foundation of the work, mm-hmm. but now the work had to go on because the need was so great. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to um, register a 501c3 mm-hmm. nonprofit organization, and of course, I had to think of a Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, Lord, what am I going to name this? Isn't it the hardest thing? It is very hard. You it want is. it to be meaningful. You want it to have purpose. Yeah. You want it to be a name that people remember and mm-hmm. can have a, an easier time to talk about. And so I just thought to myself, okay, what am I even trying to do here? And mm-hmm. I thought, well, I'm trying to encourage women. I'm trying to empower women. I'm trying to give women hope. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, who has done that for me the most? Mm-hmm. And I remembered it was my grandmother, Rose. Mm-hmm. And so my grandma, Rose, is actually my dad's mom. So okay. she's my paternal grandmother. A mm-hmm. uh, very humble woman of God who always uses her faith to address anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could be sick and like any grandma, she'll say, drink water, pray and sleep. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> but she always tell you to pray, you know. Uh-huh. And so when I was in pharmacy school in the UK, she would really help me because she would pray me through every exam period. I would mm-hmm. call and say, oh, it's that time again. I have exams. I really it's so hard. Mm-hmm. And she will say, hey, you can do this. You know, you can do this. I'm praying for you. I'm always praying for you. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, I think I want to be a rose to other women. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the name came from. And I decided to name the organization Be a Rose. So I love it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And it's, I love that it's beautiful. You know, like yes. the rose is beautiful. And yes. So we can take something that I think we all, no matter where we've come from, have different levels of shame around, yes. um, which is crazy, but it's so true. Yes. Um, and embarrassment and all of that wrapped up in our period and menstruation and flip it into something wonderful and beautiful that represents yes. connection and Oh, yes, wonderful. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. love it. I, I just love the feminine connotation of it. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's it's just a clean and simple way to mm-hmm. describe something that society has made us believe is not clean and simple. Right. It's dirty and shameful. Yeah. So, you know, just trying to turn that around one conversation at a time. Yeah. Yeah. So what does your grandma think of <laughs> your organization? Does she... <laughs> So 
my grandma had this thing where she used to tell me, you know, I understand you're studying to be a doctor because in my language, my traditional Kikuyu tribal language, mm-hmm. there is no word for pharmacist. Okay. So she used to just call, say doctor, and I never corrected her. Actually, it was nice that somebody thought I was right. a doctor since I never really became one. But right. anyway, that's another <laughs> podcast for another right. day. Uh, <laughs> but she used to say, you know... You know, um, not everybody can be cured by medicine. Uh So she used to say, you know, you have to consider that there are people you just have to send home with a positive word. Yeah. And that's enough for you. Yeah. And so she used to say, you know, you're going to be that doctor pastor that we need. Uh I used to be like, please don't speak any more callings into my life. (laughs) I am just trying to do pharmacy and get over. Okay. Uh To the other side. Uh And so I, I never knew what she meant. So it was ironic when I told her that I started this nonprofit profit and she goes well it looked like you went more the pastor side than the doctor side but we'll take it you know but then when I told her I named it after her yeah she really wasn't impressed she was like, <laughs> I thought she I would be it. so happy uh-huh. the last time I went home in 2016 I even took her a be a rose t-shirt I was uh-huh. just so happy to like show her my progress yeah and I said grandma you know we were in her little kitchen cooking together and I said you know I named my organization after you she was like why she was like honestly it doesn't matter if you named it after your next door neighbor in America, she said, as long as you're serving women and you're serving God, it doesn't matter who you name it after. Oh, so I was grandma. like, well, that was a dud. <laughs> like, so, all right. I said, well, but I also brought you this T-shirt. Right. And she was like, don't wear T-shirts. Do you have a blouse? And what are those writings? So it had like the name on it, the slogan on the back. There's a phone number. She was like, "What? Are, what is this? And I was just like, okay, I get it. She's very simple. She's yeah. just very like, you know, stay focused, mm-hmm. serve God. And as long as you're serving others and serving God, it doesn't matter all the frills and titles and yeah. whatever else. Yeah. You know, yeah. She'll keep you humble. Oh, yeah. Trust me. <laughs> She's like, whatever. Yes. What are you doing? Yes. yes. What is the core of what you're doing? Yes. What is the reason you're doing it? Yeah. All this other stuff, oh, it doesn't matter. I love grandma. You know? And it just humbled me. It just yeah. made me remember, yes, this is really all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. So true. <laughs> yes. But yeah, it would have been nice. Maybe just like a, oh, thank you. You know, yeah. how nice. Something. I don't even think she looked up from the pot she was stirring. That's how... That's how unmoved she was <laughs> not even not a blip on her radar no mm-hmm. i don't no. i don't recall any like significant change in her body language <laughs> or her tone or anything well we'll just celebrate here we'll yes. just get real excited about it here oh my yes goodness. Yeah. grandma's got things to do <laughs> right? shouldn't have time to celebrate exactly. yes i love it this is so funny yeah <laughs> um so if people want to be a part of your mission and your purpose, yes, what is the best way for them to link into this? Because um, I'd love to do something. We can talk at, when we're done recording um, about how we can be a part of this because I just, I really, really want to do something. But what's the best way? Um, drop off a million pads and tampons or is there another <laughs> way that's um, more useful to the yes. work? Absolutely. We have come up with very creative ways that helps people with different resources and mm-hmm. connections and abilities mm-hmm. to be able to be a part. So one of the things that we tell people is stay in touch with what we are doing. Okay. We are very active on Facebook. Mm-hmm. We have a Facebook group both for 
our organization and for the uh, volunteers in Grand Rapids. Okay. So if you just start to type Be a Rose on the Facebook search um, section, mm-hmm. those two pages will come up. Okay. So if you're local in Grand Rapids, you can join both so you can see upcoming ways to volunteer. And Perfect. most of our events are one-off with the exception of a food pantry we do in collaboration with Church of the Servant every month. Okay. And that's the first Saturday of every month where we give away feminine hygiene products to a lot of women that come to the pantry. Okay. And that's something that people can drop in and out of at their leisure or at their availability. Mm-hmm. Another way is to host what we call a party with a purpose. Okay. And so that's a party like any other gathering that you would have of friends and family and just let them know that they will be hearing from a local nonprofit and mm-hmm. myself uh, or somebody from our organization will come and give them just a little brief history of what we do and what we are currently involved in in the city and they can bring feminine hygiene products to that party so it's something convenient it's a lot of birds with one stone Um, people get to reunite or if it's a group that means regularly then it just gives them a little more um, involvement in the community because I know a lot of small groups are always looking for ways to get involved Mm -hmm. in their local community yeah Um, another way is to host a donation drive okay so most of our products you can find the wish list of the products we normally need on our website which is www.bearos.org and on that wish list you can donate several ways you can host a donation drive locally among again friends your co-workers uh, your church group Um, and any other group you may belong to Mm -hmm. or you can even just shop right off of our Amazon wish list oh perfect yeah if you if you have Amazon Prime and have free shipping that's another way to do it Um, and then another way that people can get involved is just to help us spread the word so if you know of any community events where us hosting a table as a vendor would be complimentary to our mission Mm -hmm. please by all means like let us know and email us or fill out the form on our website that allows you to contact us and let us know because mm-hmm. we're looking for uh, opportunities of events that we can put annually on our calendar to be a part of mm-hmm. which allow us to make more connections in the community in ways we can further our work okay um, another way is if somebody knows any corporate um, companies that deal with the products that our women need so it could be a distribution it could be a manufacturer mm-hmm. we are always looking for ways to connect in order to source products in a much more cost-efficient way. Yeah. Um, also, if people are into sewing, we are always looking for seamstresses who can help us sew our cloth pads okay. um, and those kind of opportunities. So those are just some of the ways that we have envisioned that people can be a part of our work. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, lots of ways to connect. <laughs> There's and, lots of ways yes. to connect. And, you know, even if you're in college, we found that college students have been so instrumental. There are internship um, opportunities as well. Okay. So on our website, there's a career page where we always look for professional volunteers to volunteer a skill that we may be needing in our organization. Mm-hmm. At the moment, we're in dear need of an accountant Okay. Um, to just help us, you know, streamline our books, uh, a data entry person Mm -hmm. so there's always opportunities posted on our website 
And we also have a blog too mm -hmm. that we publish monthly mm -hmm. that helps raise awareness on different issues surrounding menstruation. So if you go on our website and you sign up for our newsletter, you will get that blog straight into your email. If you follow us on Facebook, you'll get the link as well every month. And that's just a great way to keep in touch with issues that intersect with menstruation that women have to deal with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was looking at the blog yesterday when I was kind of preparing and there is, there is so much great information. You don't have to be like 12 or an immigrant or like a refugee or something no. to learn. I mean, I was learning in spades <laughs> just going through the blog. It was like menstruation and exercise yes. and, um, one of the women that works for your organization, it was a uh, something on YouTube about thinks the yes. period underwear. underwear. Yes. yes, and I've been so curious <laughs> about them. I was like, thank you for doing that review. Yes, um, and those are pricey, they but can be, yes. it was super intriguing. So I was like, oh, this is so fantastic. <laughs> so I think it's a great resource. Thank you for anyone to look at. Um, yes. Yeah, just to learn more. Absolutely. So I'll definitely link to all those things. Yes, um, in the show notes for people to to click and get involved. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I usually end with a few questions sure. that I ask everybody. So yes. um, one is what is, and we've talked a little bit about this already, but a way to create deeper and more connection. Mm -hmm. So either one-on-one um, -on -one or within your community for people that just want to create more connection in their life. That's mm -hmm. just kind of what my mission is. Yes. Um, so what is an, a thought you have about how people could do that? Talk to people. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I cannot say this enough. We mm -hmm. had an event last weekend where I told one of our interns, you cannot keep, you cannot afford to keep your dreams within yourself. Yes. There are people who depend on your dreams materializing to oh things. Gosh, I love that so much. So you have to speak. Mm -hmm. You have to talk. And I know it's easier said than done because mm -hmm. I'm like the human version of a parrot. So... I actually try to not talk and listen sometimes. I mean, I'm a good listener. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, you know, it's not as easy for some people. Yeah. But it's not enough to have a dream or a goal or a vision and be the only one who can do it, the only one who holds yourself accountable, the only one. It's too much pressure on yourself. Yeah. You know, it's better to tell somebody because when you tell somebody, you realize there's a community. Yeah. You realize that that person may ask you, hey, Andrea, I know you told me about this thing you were trying to do. How far have you gotten? Mm -hmm. And you you can think one of two things like, oh my God, why did I tell Christine about this? And <laughs> she's going to bug me till I do it. Or actually, I realize I don't want to do that. Yeah. And for this reason. And in my process of thinking through that, I decided I want to do this other thing. So mm -hmm. I think it sounds simple, but it's hard at the same time yeah. to talk about your dreams and to remember that you have no clue who is depending on your dream. Because yes. had I kept my vision to myself, I would never have come to Michigan. I would have never started this work. And mm -hmm. and for me, I don't even meet a lot of the women we impact, with mm -hmm. the exception of the food pantries and the workshops once i drop off product i'm not there when it's distributed yeah so i'm just praying that these women are benefiting you know yeah and so people cannot afford to keep their dreams inside you yes. have to share them and sometimes start with family mm -hmm. start with those who you feel safe with because yes. i know it's a safety thing as well and some people are afraid they're dreaming too big yeah they're like well i'm over here and i'm trying to do this big thing and i don't know what the in-between looks like well, say it anyway. Yes. Say it anyway, because mm -hmm. you might encounter somebody who's in the journey 
uh, who may tell you, actually, I wish I told somebody as early as you are because I would have avoided these three steps, which weren't even needed. Yeah. So you just never know. So yeah. my biggest advice is to speak on it. Oh, that's yeah. so true. Because <laughs> you're right. You don't know who's depending on your dream. You don't know who could help you. Yes. Who could encourage you until yes. it's out in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. What are a few things that you are loving? Favorite things. So I always ask people favorite things because yes. I think it's a way of just kind of connecting right away. So it's, you know, just an easy way to connect with other people through like, I love your shoes or whatever. Yes, whatever. yes. Um, so are there a few <laughs> things that it can be frivolous, it can be deep, it can be whatever. Okay, I'm loving tacos. I tacos always have real good. Yeah. Yeah. And I like to bond with people over tacos. <laughs> Love it. Because if all else goes wrong, if we don't want to talk about our day, we can just talk about how good the tacos are. That's right. And go home fed and right. continue with our life. Yeah. But I <laughs> I also love thrifting. Oh. oh my gosh. I've had to oh, create I feel like we just bonded there yes, a second. Yes. I love thrifting. Yes. My whole closet is like used to be somebody else's and whenever I get unique pieces because Grand Rapids is not too big mm-hmm. I always wonder or if I like go on an interview with something I bought from this store I'm always scared like some woman will be watching it and be like it's not that scarf I dropped off right. at Goodwill and I'll be like oh my god I mean yes, I'll never know but you and know look how good it looks some pieces are yes. so unique yes and so I love thrifting I really really do mm-hmm. and then I just I'm starting to appreciate time when I take guiltless time off yes like not replying to emails on the weekend if I can help it mm-hmm. and especially when you run your own business it's very difficult to detach yeah and I'm finding the value of detachment from yeah. work and just even do, doing nothing and the first day I did it I had a lot of anxiety because I turned my yeah. phone off and it I was so anxious. I was like feeling like I was dying. I was like, I want to know what's going on on Facebook. I want to know yeah. what people are doing. Then I was like, who cares? Let me just chill out today. Yeah. So I've started to actually plan time off on my calendar on days that I just don't do anything. I don't yeah. call anybody. I tell the important people, like, listen, my phone will be off tomorrow. Mm-hmm. By important people, I mean my mama. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Because if she can't everybody reach you. else, if you can't reach me mm-hmm. in 24 hours, you're not calling the police. But my mama might. <laughs> yeah. she, well, might she, will. Mm-hmm. she might call somebody. Yeah. So I have to tell her I'm, I'm off the grid tomorrow. <laughs> and um, don't worry, I'm alive. I just need a break. Mm-hmm. So I think to take a break. And as women, we are going, going. Even men, today's mm-hmm. society, number one, we are too plugged in. Yep. We are too connected. Mm-hmm. We are texting and, and, and scrolling through Facebook. And mm-hmm. we are so um, stimulated. Yeah. You know, when you go on Facebook, you don't even know what you're gonna see yeah it's actually a risk I try not to do it very early in the morning because it can dictate how your day goes absolutely so just finding those boundaries Mm -hmm. um, with technology and with work yes um, especially if you're self-employed in any way because we take work home yeah we sit with our laptops in our living room like your laptop doesn't belong on your couch yeah your couch is for relaxation laptop is for work yeah you know, Gotta so. reclaim your couch. Yes, yes. reclaiming yes. our couches. <laughs> that should be a podcast in itself. Andrea. Be my next. You know, reclaiming yes. our couch. Yes, yeah. Your yeah. relaxed time, your safe space. All Absolutely. Of that. Yeah. yeah. Um. So the last question is: Sure. When or what makes you feel the most seen and heard? So either a person or a place that makes you feel. Um, like you've genuinely been seen 
and heard because I know when you're a helper when you're putting yes. out into your business and other people in the community all the time yes sometimes you don't always feel like the most visible heard person mm. um so what spaces or people make you feel that way this is a deep answer one. Uh-huh. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to lend you, uh, what is it, a figurative floating device. Okay. Because you're going to need it. So, <laughs> <laughs> this is, and I'm going to have a very transparent moment. Okay. This has been something I've been struggling with since yeah. I moved to Michigan. Because oh, I um, by moving around so much, mm-hmm. I realized that the friends that truly know me the longest are back in Baltimore. Yeah. And all the friends I have made within my time in Michigan have been through some connection or another of work. Yeah. And so a few of them knew me when I was in AmeriCorps, but that was only a year. Mm -hmm. But since then, most of my friends now know me in the capacity of Bia Rose. Yeah. So I have been struggling with how in that community of people who know me by the strength of the work I do, because I I believe from what I people have told me that the work I do exudes some sort of strength from me. Yeah. Um, However, it's very difficult in that platform to be vulnerable yes it's very difficult to be just a girl again I remember telling a friend recently mm-hmm. I miss the days when I was just a girl yeah I was just Christine a lot yeah. of people now forgot my name was Christine and just called me Rose and I'm like <laughs> oh my I'm like yes. I'm still a girl under here yes. you know yes and so the moments I think I feel the most heard are when I can feel that I'm safe to be vulnerable yes and sometimes within the organizational or business contacts or business community it's not always there's not always a space for that yeah and so I think I, I do believe a lot of women are in that space, even men, where as you grow as a professional, you start to feel less and less of an individual. Yeah. Or as a woman, as you grow and become a mother and you become a wife and you wear all these hats, mm-hmm. you start to feel less and less of who you were, of Andrea, of Christine, of Mary. Because right. now you've been Mrs. Such and Such and mm-hmm. Such and Such's mom that you don't even remember you know, when you were just you. Yes. So I think for me, it's so special when I can feel heard and seen um, with people or in spaces where I feel safe to just be me. Yes. And that, believe it or not, is not all the time for me. Yes. <laughs> so. Oh, I believe yeah, that. Yeah. And I feel like this community especially has some challenges mm. in um, seeing people yes. that are not from here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um and I think I've, I've been here all my life, but yes. I, I know a lot of people that have not been here all their lives, yes. and they come here and feel like, what is going on in West Michigan? Like, this <laughs> is on the outside a very kind of friendly, loving place, and I think yes. there's some genuineness to that. Yes. But there's the deeper connection can be hard, I think, yes. to find the real, true community yes. um, here. So, yeah. 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 And, you know, I remember one day at church, our pastor, I attend Tribes Church in Rockford, Mm -hmm. and um, our pastor, Pastor Julian, uh, spoke at the end of one sermon about uh, suicidal uh, trends in the community. Mm -hmm. And um, he just asked that people who felt that they were alone, like they were giving up, to kind Mm -hmm. of stand and for somebody near them to kind of go and pray with them. And I remember I prayed with this gentleman who afterwards, I was very intentional in letting him know, like, this was not just a, like, by the way, 
prayer session. Let me pray for you. You feel good for 12 minutes and then you go home. Yeah. Like, I really do want you to connect. And if you do feel alone or you feel you need help or somebody to talk to, please call me. Mm-hmm. And I gave him my, my business card. But then later I thought to myself, oh, my God, this is the Midwest. He probably was like, was that girl serious? Like, what right. was that about? Was that like networking? Right. But, you know, and, yeah. and I, I really do come from that mentality of like, if you're going to do something, be intentional. Yes. You know, now my dad calls it the Mother Teresa syndrome because I'm always extending my business card to everybody and anybody. And they'll call me and my phone will be on and let me know what's going on. And my dad is like, dude, I don't even let people talk. My phone doesn't even ring. Like, what What do you people do? Like, you are doing a different thing, dad. Yes. Yes. He calls it the Mother Teresa syndrome. I mean. But, you know, and, and that's what I'm saying. It's that, you know, in our community, people do want to feel heard and seen. Yes. But even in our small groups, when you, there are a lot of small groups where people are meeting every week, but not reconnecting in between the yeah. week. Just like church, you feel good for an hour. Mm-hmm. And then by Monday night, you're back to your crazy world again. And yeah. you don't feel as good as you felt when you were sitting in the church pew on Sunday. Yeah. And so for a community that has such a heavy church presence, mm-hmm. it's amazing that uh, a lot of people are still feeling alone mm-hmm. and lonely. Yes. You know, and sad. Yeah. And so, and then it doesn't help that the winters are long too. Oh, no, it does not so help. So people of Afro-Caribbean descent like myself. Yes. So <laughs> just like, come on. Yes. Really, Grand Rapids? <laughs> really? Yeah. Yes. But you know, um, it, like I said, back to my advice, you yeah. gotta speak. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta ask for help, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. 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 Well, I love every single solitary second of this. I'm so excited for your organization to just be a crazy success and touch a million women in a million different ways. Um, And I really appreciate you being vulnerable and talking about kind of the origin story and things that are going on with you now. It's just such a gift to me and the people listening. So thank thank you you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I literally could not stop smiling after that conversation. I mean, amazing, right? So funny. So great. Christine is such a bright light and she is creating real impact through her work. I have decided that I will be a drop-off site for donations. So the Taking the Middle Seat Headquarters, otherwise known as my front porch, is going to be a drop-off site for donations of pads and tampons. I talked to Christine after the interview and she said the best things to donate right now are the disposable period products because they already have a partnership with Diva Cup, so they don't always need those, but they always have a need for the disposable pads and tampons. So if you can pick up an extra pack or two or 20 or a whole case, please drop them off right at my house. And you can let me know you're coming or just leave them on my porch and I will make sure they get right to be a rose. The address of um, Taking the Middle Seat Headquarters, my front porch, is on the website in the show notes. If you're not local, I've also linked to their Amazon wish list. I love shopping that way because it just goes right to them. Um, did you catch the brilliant things that Christine said in that interview? Oh my gosh. So here are two of my favorite takeaways. Right in the beginning, she talked about how women just manage. We have just been making do. And we don't necessarily see struggle as a problem or an issue, and therefore we don't reach out for help because we just think, well, that's just what we do. We just manage. So even though this is a strength, you guys, my fellow women, 
We need to reach out for help. We need to reach out to each other. We need to ask questions. We need to listen to each other. We need to be a true support. Christine also said that you cannot afford to keep your dreams within yourself. There are people depending on your dreams. Ah, chills. I mean, I got chills when I heard her say that because I just feel like that is exactly what I needed to hear. It's so true. And I'm one that can diminish my dreams all day long, can diminish my gifts. But the idea that there is someone waiting for your specific gift, I believe it to be true. So you have to share it. You just have to. They're waiting on you. So just do it. All right. Last thing, if you are loving this podcast and the idea of creating connection through these conversations, please share this show with your people, with your people, with your people. I think we're growing slowly but surely. It's hard to tell because I'm not smart enough to figure out how to figure that out, but I want to keep the slowly but surely going. I want to keep this momentum going. So you can share the link to my website, um, hit me up for some cool business cards. I just got more of them. Or just show someone how to find the podcast on iTunes. Just keep sharing away. And I so appreciate it. It means the world. Thank you for listening. And I will be back soon for another episode of Taking the Middle Seat.